to me, you need your best lineup caller. So if I was picking a team, I would 100% have Ian Henderson. I think he's the best lineup caller there. For the best lines coverage this summer, subscribe to the OTB Rugby podcast stream on the OTB Sports app. The OTB Podcast Network with Get Set Go. Black box car insurance lets young drivers bounce past high-cost premiums. Drive safe and save more with GetSetGo.ie. Rugby on Off The Ball. With Vodafone, lead partner of the British and Irish Lions. You are welcome back. They are underway in Croke Park where Toronto have taken an early lead against Monaghan at one point to nil while earlier Waterford beat Tipperary on a 428-227 scoreline to progress to the All-Ireland hurling semi-finals next weekend. They will play Limerick if Cork beat Dublin later but will play Kilkenny if Dublin win and at the Olympic Games Ireland's 4x400 relay team finished 8th in the final earlier and the hockey team were beaten 2-0 by Great Britain so they crash out at the group stages. But now our attention turns to five o'clock because we have full live commentary of the second test in South Africa of the British and Irish Lions Tour. Neil Tracy and Brian O'Driscoll are going to be calling it for us. Neil Tracy is on standby. Neil, how are you getting on? Well, I'm good, Owen. I am very much looking forward to an hour's time. <laughs> it should be a cracker. Do you want to remind us of the teams first off? Yeah, I will to get underway. So both sides have made three changes off the back of last week's first test. Uh, in the front row for the Lions, Makovunapola comes in. His 19th game as a British and Irish line. It's going to be his eighth test match out of eight played across these three tours. And strangely enough, he wasn't even meant to play last week. He came off the bench. He was a late, uh, late man into the match day 23 after Win Jones had to pull out. He came on in the second half, put in a massive shift, and he's jumped ahead of Rory Sutherland in the pecking order. So he starts alongside Luke Cowan-Dickey and Tyg Furlong in the front row. The other uh, one of the other changes comes at scrum half. Connor Murray is in there. He came on in the second half last week, kicked very very well indeed. Red the Lions retaining two of the three kicks he played, and with that big match experience as well. This is his 17th game of a, uh, as a line, as we pointed out. How many Macavunapolas? played as well he'll have played in seven of a possible eight tests by the time we kick off today as well so that huge test match experience that Conor Murray brings if you add together his Lions tests and his Ireland tests this is going to be his 96th match as a test match player and then also not as many test match appearances and a first Lions test for Chris Harris in the outside centre alongside Robbie Henshaw in midfield. He's played really, really well though so far on the tour and he comes in in place of Elliot Daly who drops down to the bench. Liam Williams, the man to make way there. And there's other, uh, also one change on the bench for the Lions as Talupe Falatau comes in and again it's just coming back to this big match experience and a big physical player now not to say Hamish Watson isn't a physical player but Talupe Falatau just has so much experience remember he was the man that scored that crucial try in the second test in 2017 that brought the Lions back into that series at the Cake Tin in Wellington uh, it's going to be his 18th game as a Lion as well and just such a, play- a player that just gets so involved in the game uh, third overall for tackles and carries in the Six Nations so he's hopefully going to have a huge impact for the Lions when he comes on in the second half and then on the South African side they've changed two of their three uh, front row players one of those though is in force Oxen Che picked up an injury last week in the opening test and in, uh, in comes Stephen Kitchoff for his 50th test the 29 year old actually made his debut against Ireland back in 2016 and he'll be well versed going up against the likes of Tyg Furlong and Kyle Sinclair he would have played under 20s against both of those players in the under 20 World Cup back in 
2012. So he comes in at loosehead prop. Franz Malerbe then is in a tight head, the 30-year-old, very, very experienced player. Uh, probably a better scrummager than Trevor Inyakanya, who he replaces, but he didn't really make a big impact when he came on at halftime last week, as did Stephen Kitchoff. And the other change then also comes in the forwards for South Africa. Jasper Visa is going to be a much more physical presence, it looks like, at number eight. He comes in for Quagga Smith, who drops to the bench, and Smith was heavily involved with carries last week. He was uh, carried uh, the second most out of any South African player with 13, but he just didn't really make the impact. And you could see how the Lions targeted him at the kickoff. And even Jacques Nienaber admitted after the game that he probably did get that did get that selection wrong. So Jasper Visa of the Leicester Tigers comes in to make just his second uh, international appearance for South Africa at number eight. But they also have a couple of changes then on the bench. Uh, Trevor Enyakanya, as we mentioned, who started last week at tight head, he's actually subbing at loose head prop. So he's one of those ambidextrous front rows. He can play both tight and loose. He's subbing at loose head prop today. Vincent Cock of Saracens will be well uh, well familiar with uh, with Irish fans. Uh, he's only, only played 21 times for South Africa, but he's a very, very experienced player, two premierships, two Heineken Cups with Saracens and one of the top scrummagers in the game as well. And then uh, Marco van Staden also comes in for what is just his fourth uh, fourth test match for South Africa. Last played for them in the 2019 World Cup warm-ups. Had an excellent game though when he played for South Africa A against the Lions two and a half weeks ago. 17 tackles in that match and was hugely involved for the uh, for the Bulls in the Rainbow Cup. Was one of their better players. Made the most tackles out of any player for the Bulls. Most turnovers out of anyone in the competition and he's going to be joining Leicester Tigers as well next season from the Bulls and also remember they're going with that 6-2 split on the bench having gone 5-3 last week They certainly are it promises to be an unbelievably physical encounter once again the 2021 British and Irish Lions Tour on OTB Sports is brought to you with Vodafone lead partner of the British and Irish Lions Brian O'Driscoll good afternoon Good afternoon Alan how are you? Yeah very well your reaction first off to those teams and the changes? Uh um, a few of them unsurprising, um, you know. Just listening to to Maka Vonopolo coming from from you know from not obscurity but from non twenty three selection into to tight head uh, or into loose head just shows how impressive a display he had for his twenty minutes when he was on last week. Um, again, there'll be you know big scrutiny around his scrummaging uh, against Malherba, who he had a, a torrid time of uh, in the World Cup final. So I think all eyes on the first couple of scrums will be on him. Um, and then the other decisions, I think it was a, it was an easy and clear decision at, at 13 for the Lions that Harris um, or that someone was going to come in and replace Daly. From Daly's perspective, I felt sorry for him, but then on, on reflection of looking at the game, he, you know, he he looked quite frail in contact. Obviously, he gave away a couple of penalties. He got smashed by Am, but he fell off a couple of tackles. So I, I think that was a, a very easy decision. And bringing someone like Harris in, I think they're matching like for like against uh, against South Africa. I think he's quite a similar player to Am. I think Harris is, has probably gone up in my esti- estimation over the course of this tour. Um, he's he's got a distribution game that maybe I wasn't aware that he possessed. Albeit he's he's better at carrying physically into contact. He is a big lump. He's six to six three, sixteen plus stone. So you know he's going to give you advantage line. But also, what more importantly, he's one of the best defending thirteens around. So expect him to have a a busy afternoon. Particularly, you would anticipate that South Africa are going to try and get the, some of their elusive back three into um, into open space a little bit more than they did last week. 
And then from South Africa's perspective, I think the obvious um, you know difference there, whatever about um, front rows, I think bringing Jasper Visa in. You know, I've watched a lot of him with, um, with the Leicester Tigers in the last year. He is brutally physical, and I think it was quite a surprise that they played Quagga Smith, who's come through the seven series. Um, you know, quite small in stature comparatively to any of the other back rows that would have been playing last week. So bringing Visa in, he's got a really nasty edge to him, a massive physical edge, and you would expect fireworks from him in the first 10 or 15 minutes. He won't be taking any backward steps. So I think they're the, the real standout uh, changes. But, I, I you know, th this... Test match is going to be, it feels as though it's going to be one for the ages because mm. South Africa have their backs to their wall. Um, you know, the Lions can get it done in two like their counterparts did in, 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 in 97. Um, and it would be unthinkable for the world champions to, to limp out after a couple of test matches. We just feel primed to be a test. For sure. And I think... The week and the build-up has been utterly unprecedented as well. Uh, we can bring Keith Wood in. Afternoon, Keith. Good afternoon. How are we getting on? All good. We were chatting to you on Tuesday morning, I think it was, and we thought that would be the peak of Razzy Erasmus and his antics pre-match. It went up to a whole other level as the week went on. Have you ever seen anything like this? No. No, we thought there was a peak of the nonsense, and mm. it only became more... Um, we've drifted into bizarro world where you can kind of say whatever you want without any uh, any real reaction. So, look, I think there's an awful lot of shots being, being played. Um, I think... I, it looked at several different times as if this was the total unspooling of Razzy Erasmus. And then you wonder, wonder whether some of this is for effect, and I think a lot of it is for effect. Um, but it does the game no, um, no service whatsoever. It's, it's, I, to be honest, I think it's, it's made an awful lot of it um, a little bit ugly. And I think at times we could be criticised for being old-fashioned in the manner in which we like the game. But we like the game for the reasons that we like it, for some of the values that, that fit and sit in it. And um, I do think World Rugby have been very quiet in this period of time. And I don't think that has done the, the game a whole lot of service either. So um, I just want to see the game being played. I just want to see uh, the battle. Like Brian just called it a game for the ages. Um, the level of tension that's happening prior to this, I think an awful lot of the tour has been up and down in terms of attitude of fans and uh, everything else and whether it should be happening, shouldn't be happening with all the unrest that's also happening in South Africa. All we actually want to see is a game of rugby um, and all it's been is talk about it and kind of bitchy talk too. Um, stirred a tiny bit from, from Gatland at the start, but in that very understated, subtle way that he's able to do it. And my God, did Rassi jump back at it and he has swallowed it hook, line and sinker. And it's, and I think it's been, it's been, it's rubbish actually, listening to that sort of stuff. So um, I'm looking forward to the game. Only I kind of think I'll be sitting behind the sofa looking at it. I think this is going to be absolutely brutal and it's funny when when south africa are under pressure they don't change um, their style they don't go for any level of subtlety what they do is they ramp up the level of contact and as brian knows to his detriment um from 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 12 years ago you can get totally smashed up now mind you he was putting his body on the line too but um 
It is going to be ramped up to a kind of, I, I think, the craziest sense of contact you're going to see in a game of rugby. We're going to see that today. So, uh, I, I, like, I'm stunned by and slightly nervous about what might come ahead in the game. And we will get into that in just a moment. But Brian, just your take on on Razzie's week. Yeah, I, I agree. I think irrespective of where he's coming from, whether he's trying to deflect away from the shortcomings of his team or the shortcomings of the selection of the bomb squad coming on, as they like to call them, coming on at halftime, doing barrel And if anything, um, you know, the the preconceived decision really um, becoming a major error in the overall context of that game. Very little has been chatted about about that. Also, the the difference in the early part of the week with his conciliatory text um, tweet and you know, saying congratulations, you guys are away from home as well. Um, you've had to go through all the same pro, you know processes and and you know same COVID situation. And no complaints from us. And three days later, then we get a 62-minute rant as to where it all went wrong. And obviously, he saw the game very differently live than when he retrospectively watched it. Um, I think, irrespective of what his thinking is in doing this. It's not a good look. It's not. It's um, lots of articles have been written about it. Lots of people have had an opinion. But ultimately, I think one of the, the, the big takeaways from it is if you are a, a wannabe referee and you're thinking about coming in, would you be encouraged or discouraged to do so? Because there is a shortage of referees. We've got to be honest about that as well. It's not a role that many people want to put their hand up and want to put the, put their head on the chopping block because that's what you do, particularly if you get to that high professional level. So. I do feel as though he's done a disservice to um, to referees out there by scrutinising um, um, not Ben O'Keefe, who was it last week? Um, name will come back to me in a Barry, minute. Nick uh, Berry. Nick Berry, thank you, Woody. Um, but you know, Berry's performance. Berry's still involved this week. He's on. He's an assistant referee. Um, be interesting to see whether he you know, put, puts his flag up at any stage, whether he calls in any big plays. And what the conversation will be like with the with the Marius Young and the TMO with the referee and his assistant referees, because undoubtedly there'll be more today, and uh, more contentious uh, decisions to be called. So, so I, I just feel my overall sense is that we we do we respect is a big thing, and it did feel as though that that boundary was stepped over. I think Gats pushes that boundary an awful lot, and. Whatever you say about something might happening in a game and preempting it and kind of getting it into a TMO or referee's head, it's another thing altogether to pull apart their performance, castigate them for, and and tell them all of their misgivings in a game. When in many cases, and I didn't go through the whole hour, hour and two minutes, mm-hmm. in many cases, it was six of one, half a dozen of another. You know, if you look at the first two minutes of the game, um, the first penalty against the Lions, Tom Curry is P. For being in front of the kick, and when he's told he's in front, he trails right off, but the referee still penalises him. The, another one, you know, that the Lucanio Am uh, collision on Elliot Daly. That's 25 meters he's run. Are you saying he, you know, to, to hit Daly full whack? Are you saying that he was onside from when the ball came off the line out? It's almost impossible to make that difference with in, in the time scale of two passes running 25 meters. I know he was shifting, but even still, so there's. Lots of these decisions that could go and for you and against you over the course of the game, but to scrutinise the referee the way he did, 
um, I, yeah, I, I, it did leave a bit of a bad taste, and it, it did feel as though the massive respect that a lot of us had garnered for him through his, the work that he'd done in Munster, obviously the work that he'd done with the World Cup, you know, even the words that he said in Chasing the Sun, the documentary, it all built towards a guy that, um, you know, you certainly looked up to, and I think this is definitely taking the shine off him, irrespective of his psyche around the, the you know calling the, the officials out if we talk about warren gatland and how he might approach this game keith do you expect him to do the same thing with regards to keeping the ball in play and trying to tire out the spring box for the first half of this game i don't actually right. no i um, i think um i think the lines tried to do that last week um it, um, it was funny, I was trying to go for this idea of exactly what was his methodology for selection. And he picked guys to, to run the ball wide um, that would play a little bit faster, putting Elliot Daly at 13 as well. Um, and But none of those had played in combinations. Actually, the lack of combinations meant that if you are trying to play it wide, you're looking for guys that understand every nuance every movement of the hips or shoulders of the players inside them. Now, Brian can talk better to that for, for getting the ball wide. Um, but when, the, you know, the handling in the back line was not of the slick nature that you would need and expect to get it wide. Because the idea of getting it wide to tire people out means that nearly every pass has to be perfect in front of you so that you can run onto it because the margins are so unbelievably tight. And um, I think at halftime, he realized pretty quickly that that wasn't the case. And suddenly there was a change in the dynamic of the team for that not to be the case and to try and play far more of a territorial game. Um, I, I described it during the week as I didn't really enjoy the game until the last couple of minutes when I, when I knew we'd won. But it was, um, it, it was, it was like very fast chess. You know, it was uh, it, it wasn't looking for a breakthrough. It was looking for patience and grinding down because of maybe the lack of preparation that the Lions have had in terms of the games that they've been able to play and the truncated nature of the tour. I think that means it has changed an awful lot. I would see the Lions continuing to try and play in that style because the longer they hold on to the ball, the more frustrated South Africa got and. Look, if there's one thing that we've seen with the, the, the chat from Rassi this week, and I was trying to figure out how, how would the game play out beyond the heightened level of aggression and heightened level of contact, it's the the outcome of this game may entirely rest on, on penalties, yellow cards and red cards, mm. because will South Africa be able to keep their composure? If they keep their composure and their patience and the lines are holding on to the ball and only kicking it uh, to get into the the, the uh, South African third. If South Africa keep their patience, they're the ones that look more likely of scoring tries last week. And it, I think it could play back into them. So it could be a case of who blinks first. But firstly, I think the lines pack will have to meet every ounce of the challenge and the back line will. And I, that's why I'm, it's a shuddering thought as to what we th we think we're going to see in the first 20 minutes, half an hour of this game, because I think it's going to be brutal. And what what is the level of that challenge they are going to face up front, Keith? Like, Are you looking at that South African front row as a, as a weakness at all, given the changes? 
I, I look. I am because I I was very disappointed in the South African scrum, um, the the bomb squad that came on in the second half. I actually thought they brought nothing to the game. They were very very quiet. Didn't have the usual um, uh, big jump in energy level that comes on. It's the manner in which South Africa play all the time. It's re- very rare that a Lions team would would have um, a superior front row, and I think that they have in this instance. So I don't think it's going to be down to that. I, it's it, There isn't a huge amount of scrums. Um, it'll come down to the level of collisions, I think. And um, it's the big guys that they have in the second row and back row is where we're going to see that level at more more often. But I'd still have an expectation that the South African front row would deliver. Mm. Um, because they haven't at all, and that is like an affront to the to the um, South African psyche when their front row don't get um, uh, uh, won over in their opposition. Brian, would you be frustrated if you were playing in the Springbok backline last weekend? Sure would be if I was Jason Colby. Yeah. Um, and and the. Um, Vinnie LaRue, as much as we kind of associate him with being an attacking player, he kicks the ball away an awful lot. He's a very, very safe player. And I think the early Vinnie LaRue versus the one that we've subsequently come to understand, the one that won the World Cup a couple of years ago with um, with South Africa, is, is a safe pair of hands and an educated left boot with the ability to occasionally turn something on or create a little bit of space for himself or for one of his one of his wingers. I, I, it's an absolute... Um, you know, catastrophe from um, a rugby spectacle perspective that um, that Cheson Colby is has not been given more of an opportunity to play the rugby that we know he can play. And and I think sometimes even as even the World Cup will um, cloud our opinion as to what we've seen of Cheson Colby. I, I think the best of Cheson Colby has been in the European Cup and top mm. fourteen. Um, he scored that try obviously in the World Cup final, and maybe it, it glosses over. And the, the amount of ball that he's actually gotten. But in reality, I can't think of that many other incredible moments where I could te- pick 10 off the top of my head. And I know that he hasn't played as much test match rugby as he has played for his club. But when you have arguably the best player in the world, he's certainly in the conversation, top five best players in the world over the course of the last two years. Um, and when he's made every defender that he's come up against, Chris Harris, guy he's going to play against today, one of the Lions' best defenders, couldn't actually lay a finger on him in one in the South African A game. He knew he was he was this man, and he worked a hitch kick and acceleration and explosiveness that is so scary as a defender. So when you realise that the the limited ball that someone like him got and must have been thrilled with his lack of, of um, playing with ball in space. And I think South Africa have to open up a little bit. They've got to be a little bit more creative. They're not known for their creativity, but um, but they've got to give, give him an opportunity. I, you know, the, one of the few times I remember him carrying the ball, you know, off nine, off after clerk from a right-hand scrum straight into Ali Price and, uh, and Dan Bigger to set up the forwards around the corner. Get, get him outside the, at the 13, get him playing in behind him and get him threatening the 13 and the winger, making them make decisions because he's a ball player as well. Plays with a 10 for Toulouse too. You know, he can kick goals, he can knock over drop goals. This guy's an out-and-out footballer. So they they really have completely underutilized his capabilities as you know for the most part when I've watched South Africa 
compared to the guy that we we have come to appreciate in Europe. Mm. That's for sure. He's uh, certainly completely out of the game last week, so hopefully we'll see a bit more from him today. The 2021 British and Irish Lions Tour on OTB Sports is brought to you with Vodafone, lead partner of the British and Irish Lions. I can tell you that Tyrone have a three-point lead against Monaghan after 24 minutes in Croke Park. It is eight points to five. We will be continuing our build-up to the second test of the British and Irish Lions in the company of Keith Wood and Brian O'Driscoll right after these. Rugby on Off The Ball with Vodafone, lead partner of the British and Irish Lions. You're welcome back. It is a five o'clock kickoff in the second test of the British and Irish Lions Tour to South Africa. It is going to be Brian O'Driscoll in the company of Neil Tracy calling that one. I can tell you in Croke Park, it is currently Monaghan six points, Tyrone 11 points after half an hour. Uh, Keith Wood is also with us for the next little while to build up to the big one at five o'clock. Keith, what will the mood in the dressing room be like right now half an hour out from kick out knowing that you're kick off knowing that you're uh, clinging on to a, a, a 1-0 lead is it, is it positive is it, is it hyped how, how will things be um, well it's not clinging on because uh, I think the the Lions will feel very confident from having got that win um, under their belt um, if I go back whatever whatever number of years, 24 years for us and being in the same position in 97 um, there was a feeling at the time that we absolutely had to win the second game because we didn't think we'd be able to hold it together for the third game and maybe that seems almost defeatist in some respects but um, Lions tours are incredibly attritional and um, this one maybe not so much so but it's attritional in different ways because there's no outside exposure in any way shape or form so that's a pretty tough place to be but I think they'll want to get it done and done today Um, they'll be confident in the players that are picked they'll be confident in how they're going to go about it and it's all about trying to get to the pitch of the game properly and um, with the, the the nonsense this week, with the pressure that's involved in this game, it is about having um, some level of controlled composure while you are meeting an onslaught from the opposition um, and while you're trying to do the exact same yourself. So that balance is incredibly interesting. So the first 10 minutes in particular, I think there's going to be a huge number of mistakes um, uh, all enforced by huge pressure. Um, uh, I look back on that game that I mentioned, the second test for, from 24 years ago. I look back at that last week. I was blown away by the amount of mistakes. I mean, and I knew it was a good game. It was a great game because of pressure and tension and everything else. But there was, it was littered with mistakes because the pressure was so much, the physical pressure, the mental pressure, the opportunity of winning a series, um, those things are rare. And um, uh, I, think they, I think they'll be looking forward to the challenge, but I think some players, it could be almost frightening for them. Um, it's, it depends on how much experience you have as to how you can deal with it. So it's um, it's always intriguing because you can't know from the outside. And mm-hmm. I, I think Brian might uh, have an insight in that as well. But you know when you're inside in a change room, you can look around and look into the players' eyes. You see where they are. You can figure out, yeah, that's there in the right place or he isn't and you may need to talk to him or uh, you may need to wind this guy down a little. Um, but from the outside, you can't really see it all. And you're trying to mm-hmm. guess it when you see them running out onto the field. But th- it's nerve-wracking at this stage. 
Brian, you shared a dressing room with Alan Wynne-Jones ahead of that second test in 2009. How will he be limbering up? What will he be doing in a dressing room right now before this second test? I think, you know, he'd be the first to say he's a very different guy, uh, person sure. and player than uh, the 21-year-old he might have been <laughs> back in those days um, with, with that head of hair. Um, he, um, he is probably, I, I, I get the impression he's as enthusiastic now as he was then and that's some one of the things that has always stood out to me about Alan Wynn is that you know, training whatever about what you see on a Saturday afternoon but what all of his teammates say you know at training he is this serious competitor and it's about like every drill he'd be the first guy there he's always running he's always bringing energy he always brings an intensity to everything he does and I think that rubs off on everybody else it's been um, such a coup being able to bring him back in, um, you know, from uh, from the initial you know disappointment or, or devastation of losing him in uh, the Japanese game. So for him to be able to put in the shift he did last week as well has been phenomenal. Particularly the second half, his work rate, which is um, is, is you know standard for him. That's one thing. He's an engine guy. He's a guy that just gets through an awful lot of graft. You mightn't see any of the Marotoji stuff of stealing ball on the ground, but you see him being a nuisance at rook time. You see him, you know, um, counter-rooking that second nudge that just puts the scrum half off just as he's about to play the ball. He's he's kind of stepping on people. He's nudging people. He's just an absolute nuisance. And he's, he's a very, very savvy rugby player. He knows... Um, what he can get away with, where he can get his ill blocks in. He doesn't give away many penalties because he's such a smart rugby player. So to have a guy there, a calming influence that says the right thing at the right time, but yet doesn't um, doesn't speak for the sake of it, I think it will be a, a, a lovely it'll be a lovely place to be in that dressing room because when a guy has been there and done it at every level, um, and and he's your calming influence. It, it can't help help can't help but descend on you as well. And particularly the guys that are getting their first start, the likes of Chris Harris. I'm sure you'll have a quiet word with him and just say, "Listen, you're being picked today on your performances on this tour. You don't need to do anything different. We want physicality from you. We want great defence from you. We want no backward step from you. So that is what we want. This is going to be." Um, another chess match. Who who blinks first, as as Woody put it, and um, and so you just need everyone just to worry about their role, and he'll be a guy that'll message that to everybody and just you know say the right thing at the right time. You were listening to Brian O'Driscoll and Keith Wood previewing the second test of the British and Irish Lions Tour to South Africa. And the 2021 British and Irish Lions Tour on OTB Sports is brought to you with Vodafone, lead partner of the British and Irish Lions. It is 11 points to 6 in favour of Tyrone after 36 minutes. Keith, before we let you go, it's time to get your prediction. Yeah, um, I, look, I think if South Africa can keep 15 players on the field, I think they'll win. And um, I think you're going to see a performance that they're digging out of their socks because I don't think they've had the preparation that they would require to, to be able to do it. But they are a winning team and they're a World Cup winning team. And I think they leave everything on the field. And if they can do that with just enough composure, like not getting guys in and, and red carded, if they can do that, I think they get the win. And I then think it comes down to the most extraordinary 
if we've had madness this week, how mad will it be next week if it's going to be a decider? So that's what I'm, that's what I think could happen. Feature length Razzie Erasmus interview, I think, on Vimeo, or not an interview, speaking on the barrel of the lens is what we're going to get. Uh, Keith, great stuff as ever. Thanks a million for being with us. Yeah, cheers, gents. Cheers. Enjoy the game. Uh, Brian O'Driscoll, uh, we are kind of looking at, uh, I, I guess, try, trying to predict what sort of style Gatland is trying to impose in this game using the evidence of the changes he has made. So what does the Conor Murray selection tell you? I think the, the kick game is obviously going to be massively important. I think his organisation, the realisation was that um, his forwards need to be in the right parts of the park and mm. how do you do that against a rush defence Well, you've got to kick the ball and that's the reality of it they they tried early on to their detriment you know that you know, flashed mispass and got hit on the advantage line and it's not just that one moment that that incident it's what that does to the psyche of the opposition again and this is a real psychological game it's, it's warfare and who can just get that very small edge and who can build the momentum in their in their favor there's not much between these teams from an ability point of view so it's who controls really important moments and who can make that big collision or that big carry that is the difference in swinging the momentum away from the opposition back in your favor so I think the the personnel that have been picked Harrison in the center is an obvious one he's going to give you advantage line or more effectively than Daly will. He's not going to provide the outside break, but I don't think they're going to go to the edges too often. They're going to kick an awful lot of ball. This mightn't be the spectacle that everyone would have hoped for a few uh, a few weeks ago. I think that it's slowly dawned on us that it's going to be a bit of a kick fest. You see how much Faf de Klerk kicks it. You see how much Pollard kicks it. I think the same is going to be asked of Conor Murray and Dan Bigger. And the kick contest will be a massive... Um, um, decider in, in the overall outcome as to who can win those 50-50s, regather possession and then take their one opportunity when the defences are disorganised. That's what you're looking at today. I, I don't think we're going to see four or five tries. I hope I'm wrong, but I don't think you're going to see multiple tries. You're going to see a couple maybe from one side or the other and that'll be the difference on top of um, who kicks their goals. Which is the harder sort of game to play in, Brian? The, the, the open type where you're running around a lot or this sort of brutish, uh, attritional sort of matchup that we're expecting? Uh, this is, this right. is, because the, the time on ball is limited. I, I agree with Woody from what he said in 97. If you look back on the second test in, in 09, there's lots of errors. And that's because obviously there's a nervousness, but it's more so because of the concerted pressure being put from both defences and squeezing time. And we were playing a hard-up defence, they were playing a hard-up defence. So you, you just... Are stopping, you're trying to smother the, the opposition from being able to create anything. And that, you know, naturally, when you're looking at the collisions that were on show and the collisions that will be on show today, that's going to cough up errors or going to make people, you know, play quicker or drop balls or take their eye off it in, in certain moments. So it's who can capitalize on, you know, those balls that go to ground. You know, don't compound an error with another one. So if you do knock the ball on, don't. You know, don't throw your hands up. You got to get down on the ball, kill it, and think about a reset and start again. Because it'll it'll be that it'll be a little bit of a turnover or something. We saw it last week. It happened once or twice. You know, the the Villy Larue um, no try came from a turnover of possession and and a, and a quick shift to their fast men. So um, it, it'll be the exact same again. And um, and who can just win those really key moments? I, 
if if I was a, being a neutral, I'd really want Cheslin Colby and Mpimpi to be on the ball an awful lot more. But I'd also want, um, you know, Stuart Hogg and Watson. We saw hardly any of Watson in the in open field. I'd love to see him coming in off his wing a little bit more and threatening defenses. He's got a massive explosiveness to his game. Crazy footwork, not quite on Cheslin Colby's level, but not far off it. So you want to get those guys causing trouble against. You know, front row forwards that maybe have had scrummaged and have played multiple phases and just are a little bit tiresome in defence. Is there anything you can do as a midfielder to get Watson and Hogg into the game, to, 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 to make the runs that you're talking about there? I think you just have to work back because there's going to be an awful lot of um, kick contest. I think you have to run good blocker lines. You've got to make sure you're shielding your runners that come up. But it's also about working back um, for kick return um, because sometimes if Stuart Hogg gathers a ball in the backfield and you work hard to be a support player well the defence all of a sudden realises it's not just him you have to concern yourself with you've got to look at, at you know maybe multiple people working hard out to the extremities and so they get a little bit softer and that creates space for someone like Hogg if you don't work hard early and he has to do it alone it's easy for the, the, the you know three the line of three defenders to come up and, and and isolate and identify that he's going to be the only ball carrier. So it's it's a work rate thing and it's a, it's a mentality thing of being able to be selfless playing off the ball to create space for those that are on it. When we talk about the relationship between these two teams and the week that we've seen as a player, as the tests roll on fitness allowing do they tend to get more aggressive because familiarity breeding contempt and all that yeah probably I, I think it's hard to imagine there's going to be a test match next week more ferocious than today mm. um, it, it probably will be if it's one all in fact it probably will be if it's 2-0 two, two because similar, similarly to 97 the South Africans you know, didn't want to be whitewashed, didn't want to be humiliated, and they brought a, a, a phenomenal physicality to that third test. But that won't be any concern of the Lions if it's 2-0. Um, you don't get extra points for winning the series, 3-zip. You know, 2-1 will do, will do the job. Um, so it, it does feel as though we're on the cusp of next-level physicality. The question marks is, can it be violent, controlled violence? And that's a, a huge question mark that hangs over the South Africans. They always want to be confrontational, but when they, when they um, feel as though they've been hard done by, can they channel that emotion in a positive way and keep all 15 men on the track? I think we're going to see cards at some stage uh, this week, I hope it's not a red card and certainly not early on because we don't want the game ruined on the back of that. But it's about who's going to keep their heads in those key moments. And that'll be about getting your technique right, married with your aggression when it comes to the collision zone, both in individual tackles, but also at rook time. There's going to be the TMO will, uh, even though he's been scrutinized, he'll have to keep a very sharp focus on what is happening at, at rook time. Um, to make sure there's no cheap shots going in, that there's no headshots, there's no neck rolls, all of that carry on. So um, we, we, you saw last week, you know, the ill-discipline of South Africa, how much it cost them, eight penalties to one in the second half. Very hard to get any continuity, any territory, any momentum in a game and you're conceding that many penalties uh, versus one against the opposition. So they'll have to try and look at reversing that working on their discipline and making sure that they don't allow the Lions to keep the scoreboard ticking over like they were allowed in the in the first half. All right, Brian, call this one for us. 
I, I, um, I, I think it, you know, it probably just favours South Africa because they have to, to win it. And, um, and it's hard. We, you know, we, we, we gave out your, or we, we did videos yesterday for um, the, the, the team of 09 were asked to do a video to, to present it to your opposite number or your corresponding number in, on this tour. And, um, and so I, I'm kind of reticent to have done that and say that they're going to do brilliantly and then, and then, um, and then say that South Africa are, um, are, are going to come out on top. But it does feel as though they've nowhere to go if they don't. So I think if I'm to call it, I think South Africa might scrape it, but I certainly hope I'm wrong. What did you say in your video message? I just said to Chris Harris, I said, um, congratulations. Um, the game's going to be epic. You're going to be epic. And... Um, you know, you've been selected today on, on the grounds of being brilliant on this tour and I know you'll do the jersey justice and that there's only one thing better than playing in a Lions test match and that's winning a Lions test match. So just don't take any backward step and, and back yourself and, and that we're all here with you. So I think that, you know, there were some great messages from people, um, really inspiring, some funny ones. So, um, you know, hopefully it's, it, they're trying to create something a buzz there where they can't develop it with any of the supporters that would ordinarily be there in the in the hotel you know before sending them off to the game so they're just trying to do something slightly different and i don't know whether it landed you'll have to ask the players but hopefully it was something just to kind of capture the imagination a small bit yeah, I fully expect a victory lap if Chris Harris is man of the match today now, Brian. Listen, <laughs> uh, in, enjoy the this game. Boots. There, won't be mu- there won't be much of a victory lap in this boot, trust me. <laughs> we'll go and let you get ready for the game. Thanks a million, Brian. It's going to be himself and Neil Tracy calling this one for us here on Off The Ball. It is a five o'clock kickoff in that one. The 2021 British and Irish Lions Tour on OTB Sports is brought to you with Vodafone, lead partner of the British and Irish Lions. We will go to Croke Park uh, now, actually. Declan Bonner is standing by. How's it going? there Declan yeah no it's been um, it's been an interesting first half thrown the better side 11 points to 11 points to 6 up at half time and I have to say yeah, definitely deserved their 5 point advantage to the break what's been the key to their lead I think they've been much better all over the park they've, they've played with Matty Donnelly inside and he's, he's remained inside at 14 for a majority of the game playing with uh, Darren McCurry in between them they've kicked 4 points from play and you have Mark Bradley playing off them and he's also kicked 2 points from play so that's 6 points in total in that first half and you know that's a huge contribution and we spoke I spoke at the start of the game in relation to the kickouts and uh, while Niall Morgan is getting the majority of his kickouts away Rory Beggins under a, se- a severe pressure uh, to run the pressing hard on the kickouts and have turned at least maybe 5 of them over in the first half so it's been uh, yeah, it's been it's been Tyrone, and uh, you know Munnan's going to have to change their ways to start of the second half if they're going to make a final of this. What should they change? It's very you know they, they need to get better all over the field. They, you know they, they got a purple patch. You know uh, Connor McManus kicked a point. Uh, Jack McCarron got two from play, and Rory Began got a free in the space of about maybe uh, 10, 12 minutes in the first half. But other than that, there they've been out of it. Uh, Tyrone were six four up at the first water break, and they tagged on another five scores uh, in the second the second period there. Monan just kicked on two scores, and uh, yeah, it's been um, it's been Tyrone's game to be quite honest. That first 35 minutes, and unless it's huge improvement from Monan, it's going to be very very hard to see uh, the Anglo Celt going other than uh, back into Tyrone. They're clearly doing a job on McManus then. 
Yeah, they've been. Yeah, they've been. They've, they've been. McManus just got one opportunity from play. He also kicked it wide, but uh, he's been well marshaled by by Parik Hamsey and Hamsey's also got up the park and scored a, a very very good score uh, for Tyrone with the outside of his right right foot. And you know the Tyrone defenders, Hamsey, Michael McKiernan and Niall Sutton have also added scores. And uh, you know they've just been better all over the field. They, they look more of a threat going forward. Uh, apart from that uh, period of uh, five or six minutes for Jack McCarn, he's been handled uh, by Ronan McNamee. So listen, it's, it's going to need a huge improvement from Munn and they're going to need to get their key men into the game and they're going to need to get a very good start to the second half. Tyrone as well, we must say, with the, the COVID uh, situation beforehand, missing three or four would-be starters. This is this is some performance. Yeah, it's a big, big performance from Tyrone. There's no doubt about that there. I mean, 11 scores in that first half. And, uh, uh, you know, they've also kicked five wides. Two of those fi- uh, five wides came from 45 from uh, from Niall Morgan. But they have been on top. And, yeah, they're without Frank Burns and Rory Brennan from their starting uh, starting 15. Mm. And also their manager, Fergal Logan's not here. So, yeah, they've been hit during the week with, with COVID. But you wouldn't have noticed that out there they've been very impressed from that first half yeah for sure good stuff Declan thanks for that thank we'll you check in with Declan across the second half there it is 11 points to 6 in favour of Tyrone at the break right we are 8 minutes away from kickoff in the second test of the British and Irish Lions Tour to South Africa we have got live full commentary for it between 5 and 7 it's going to be Neil Tracy in the company of Brian O'Driscoll watching it we will be back with kickoff next Rugby on Off the Ball with Vodafone, lead partner of the British and Irish Lions. 